The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What's going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generals podcast. It's major week for the U.S. Open. As usual, I am here with my partner in crime, the GPP King, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good, Kenny. It's, uh, you know, everything's back. It was week one, all right. Everyone made the joke, but week one of NFL, week one of the new season. We talked about that last week with everything bouncing back now and getting ready to go into the swing of things again. And then quite the result at the Safeway Open. Before we get into it, I just want to remind everybody quickly, this podcast is sponsored and presented by rotogrinders.com. You can head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGEN. Get yourself five bucks off the first month if you want to check out everything going on there in relation to all the golf content that's back. We're already into it. And then also the NFL content and other sports as well. Yeah. So the Safeway Open, we'll keep it quick because it is major week. We'll keep the re- recap quick. Uh, what a win by Stuart Sink. I mean, it's probably one of the better feel-good stories uh, in a while. 40-plus-year-old golfer hasn't won since 2009 when he beat Tom Watson uh, and became everyone's most hated golfer uh, at the Open Championship. Um, great win for him. You know, he had his son on the bag. Kip Henley might be out of a job. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, you know, he had his wife watching. And I don't know if everyone knows the story, but, you know, wife. He took a little bit of time off. Um to take care of his wife. His wife was dealing with cancer. She pulled through it. He had his own cancer scare. Um, and then, of course, having a son on the bag, it was a family affair. So so really a feel-good win for Stuart Sink. I know he was talking about how um, he didn't really want to use 
his uh, money list exemptions. He wanted to save those to see, you know, if he can go ahead and try and, uh, you know, win a tournament, get his card uh, the legit way, which is, is what happened. So now basically it's a three-year card that he has. He doesn't have to worry about it. He'll just keep stacking up that money uh, on that um, on that top money list. He'll have the, the, the money exemptions later on when he's closer to 50. So, I mean, really good for him. Um, you know, Harry Higgs. Uh, who, who we both talked about, uh, Sam Burns, who we both love. Uh, he, came, he was close in there. Uh, Christopher Ventura, um, you know, not your typical type of tournament field that we have seen uh, since the beginning of the restart. But still, it was, it was a good event. There were a lot of good shots. Uh, these guys played really, really well because this course, usually 15, 16, 17 under, uh, win one. And, you know, the winning was a 21 under. Higgs was 19. Uh, I think the uh, the first couple of days it played a little bit easier. It was a little bit softer. The air was, uh, and then on the weekend you saw it on Saturday especially. The greens got a little bit firmer. Sunday I don't know. They people played pretty well on Sunday, but it wasn't. It was still a great tournament. It was a great event. It was. I didn't get to watch much of it on Sunday, but I did see the first couple of days. And I don't know. It's something different about um, weaker fields. I guess they tend to show more golfers. Uh, I, I noticed on Friday, on Thursday and Friday, they showed a ton of golfers, like almost everyone in the field uh, the first couple of yeah. days, which I was shocked about. Uh, but good event. What do you think about the tournament? Yeah, it's like you said. I think the, you know showing more golfers is just part of the fact they, they don't really have that stud to go to that we're used to in so many other sports and, or sorry, in so many other events. And you'll see it where people, you know, they have only DJ or the, we're saying get rid of the ROM and DJ show, whatever it might be, not just the tour championship, but all these bigger events, right. It seems to always come down to that here. It's like they, you know, uh, Russell Knox went off on Friday and ends up T nine. So, you know, they're not going to really feature Russell Knox the whole weekend because they just don't know if he's going to end up there. But I was impressed with a lot of guys. You know, certain guys came out. Ash K. Batia, this guy we've been, you know, following along, went pro, young kid, gets up there, gets a T9. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. Guys we were on, you know, Redmond, Burns, all over them, as a lot of people were. But it's where we said, you know, there's going to be the chalk that gets there and you're going to have to just sprinkle different guys out and around it. I certainly made one big mistake. I wish I had went Duffner over Stallings and Shank few spots and that that would have been a lot better but uh yeah awesome to see sync get the win like you said big storyline that goes with it the family affair long time since that opened back in 09 uh harry higgs who you know was never really in the rookie of the year race per se but he was there with hovland scheffler mcneely those guys and he made his run but this would have been nice to see for him to get a w and to come up just short you know it was you know made that eagle down the stretch all, all good good stuff to see coming into the swing season, I mean, right now, we're not talking about the swing season. It's major season. We're going right into it with the U.S. Open. But beyond that, this is going to be, you know, a lot of events coming up where these guys are going to pop. And we're going to love to see all these guys get their shot at getting their first win or going after it in that way. So, uh, you know, and then there's a couple other storylines. Revy and Streelman in the field this week. They're, they're right there in the mix that we're sort of coming on as the, the quote-unquote bigger names for this field. But I don't know what that's going to look like this week when you get into the major and now their prices are extremely lower and you can see what you can do with them there. So lots of storylines to talk about, but I think it was great to see Sync, just hear the story. And then last thing I'll say is I don't know if it's different just because it's a, you know, a quote unquote older guy with Stewie Sync, but to see all the golfers congratulate him on Twitter, you'll see like X say, you know, I did my best day. Congrats to DJ at the tour championship that, you know, whatever. They're not necessarily boys. They're all good, whatever. But you know, that just seems like kind of like you have to do it. It's kind of like the thing to do versus this. You could just see 
you know, the natural happiness behind these guys to be able to go out and congratulate their boy Sink getting the job done. So to somebody like Zach Johnson, Lee Westwood types, I can't remember who else, but just cool to see, right? You don't see that all the time. And it takes a guy like Stewie Sink winning for that to come out, but good for him. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure all the old heads stick together. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Whenever an old head sees another old head win, and they're going to be happy about it. Plus, I think Stu is a pretty popular player, and all the stuff that he's been through uh, with his family and stuff like that, it just it just made the win a little bit more, I don't know, good feeling uh, for, for a lot of the people on the PGA Tour. Now, personally for me, uh, it was a weird week because I actually had green screens. I actually won. My cash line of cash. Uh, it's been weird since since the beginning uh, of the restart. And my, my cash game cornerstone still only went two for four. Uh, I think uh, Tringali and uh, Hubbard. Hubbard missed it on the number. Uh, they were really close. Uh, and they missed it. But Reevy, uh, with seven birdies in his last nine holes, uh, really helped my cash line of a bunch of that. Collie, and I think he had like four or five birdies uh, on his last five holes. I finished it with Collie and Shank. Um, you know, in there, uh, in that lineup. So, and Harold's, I think, went seven under on Sunday. So, all the four guys I had were basically, other than Shank, were Sunday Warriors. And that gave me from being right on the bubble to cashing pretty easily uh, in all the double-ups that I was in. I also won in GPPs. Uh, uh, Doc coming in third, having that crazy uh, final round. Uh, he was my highest zone guy. Burns was like top five highest zone. Uh, I had a good clip of Higgs. Uh, so I only won two bucks uh, in, in GBVs, but still it was a win. So it was, it's nice to get back into that winning mojo. First week of the season, fresh start. Uh, so I'm ready for this week. How'd you do? Oh man, I got another story for you. I swear to God, you can't make this up. Fourth time in six weeks. I know I got one in between, so I'm not going to complain, but I had a five out of six lineup with Gooch that got second place in the queue to pick up my second ticket to the fantasy golf world championship. So oh, nice. that, that, that sucks. So I didn't know I didn't get it. I'm saying I came and say, it's basically oh. you get a hundred, uh, you get a hundred bucks for second. You get the $7,600 quarter, you know, that's the ticket value because of the tournament, what it's worth, but it's literally my fourth, second in six weeks. So that one stung because it was a five out of six and I only missed by like 12 points. So basically if Gooch makes the cut, I get it. So uh, you know, other things could have went different ways, but that one stung. And then in GPPs, it was the same thing. You know, just the king of the five of six that you need these six out of sixes, man. They're tough to get. So we'll try at it again this week. It was overall it wasn't a terrible week. Only lost a little bit because of that. But, I'll, you know, I'll just still take it in the sense that, you know, I'm right there. I'm in the hunt. It's going to happen. I'm just waiting for the big one. So, uh, you know, NFL was a little bit different story. It was up and down and then finished okay, but not a, not a winning week overall for me. So looking to go back at it again this week. And we got the major in front of us. I love the U.S. Open personally. And I think we'll talk about it a little bit with strategy and whatnot after we go into the Listener League. Yeah, Gooch, Gooch killed me too. Uh, I think I had like five lineups in like the top 300 of different GPPs. Uh, and I think four of them had Gooch. And when five is six, and like the six is six last week was crazy. Like, I think in double ups, the five dollar double up, like one percent got six to six through. Like that's how oh, hard it, was, it is. It was crazy low, and yeah. it was all the all the guys that were like the the good plays or what everybody was loving. You know, Hubbard, Tringali, Gooch, yes. yeah. Sergio, EVR, uh-huh. Gooch. All these guys were right there, two to four under when five under makes the cut. And it's like yeah. McNeely, another one. It was just there were so many opportunities to get these guys through, and you're sitting there with really good five out of six lineups. And it's not like 
you made a mistake and put the, well, you did because they didn't get through, but it's not like you had the worst guy as your miscut. It's just some, you know, it's just the randomness of it. They didn't make it through the variance that goes with it. So one of those things, but we'll move on to this week. And I think that is a big strategy when we talk about things for this week as well. Yeah. Uh, so let's, first off, let's go to the Listener League winner. This is the final Listener League winner before our Tournament of the Champions this week for the U.S. Open. And it was a Gups Corner member. I got to love seeing the Gups Corner avatar up there. Uh, C.S. Foreman, he won 584.5 points. He had Chez, uh, you know, who finished in third place, 115.5 points, 11.8% owned. Harold Varner, uh, those two of my cash game cornerstones in his lineup, so I like that. 43.8% owned, um, you know, finished in, what, 29th, but had a really good Sunday, 90.5 points, which is pretty good for a guy who finishes in almost 30th place. Streelman, who had a really good uh, weekend, 10.6% owned, 115 uh, points. Lucas Glover, who made the cut, uh, 4.4% owned, finished in, like, 65th, 73.5% owned. Sepp Straka, 100 points. Uh, finished in 14th, 3.4% owned, and Duff Daddy, a 1.4% owned, 90 points. What did you think of the lineup? Yeah, I actually really like this one. Yeah, you know, talked to this guy before in the past. He's actually an Alberta guy, um, lives close to me, so he wants to meet up sometime for a beer, he said. But, you know, this is a, a great lineup in the sense that he made the perfect pivots, right? You look at, you, t- you just talked about Hubbard, he's got Glover at way less ownership, but for a hundred bucks less and boom, he gets through with 73 and a half. That's literally the worst play in the lineup. And it's still more than enough. 584.5 over 572 in second, uh, you know, Varner, we were all over, you know, Reeve Streelman were sort of the interesting ones there because there was people above and below them, but it, then it completely skipped anyone from 81 to 8,900, which made it an interesting build. And then 6,900 Duffner, a uh, strong play. Like I said, I wish I went there instead of Stallings and Shank because you know Stallings didn't get through and then I forget what happened with Shank but it wasn't nearly as enough it wasn't 90 points like Duffner so that made the difference as well for some of my big GPP lineups that were you know like 150th or 200th place with a five out of six that would have made a, a massive difference pop me into the top 10 top five depending on the lineup yeah definitely uh why don't you talk about the uh, tournament and champions this week how are you going about it there Tambo yeah, so the Tournament of Champions is going to be this week. We've talked about it throughout the year. It's basically all the Listener League winners are in one league. Uh, you'll see it. I've sent the invites out. I think 16 of the 26 have joined so far. That was the number that we sort of – it wasn't where we cut it off. It's where we began it, and that's where it cut off in the end based on that. And how that's going to work is essentially uh, we'll play down. I don't have the prizes fully solidified, so I don't want to say exact, but I'll tell you where we're at as of right now. It's going to be the top five winners get a prize. First prize is going to be an annual premium core for membership to roto grinders so all the sports for one year for the main four sports that they do and then you're going to get uh something else with it i'm just trying to finalize on that today second prize will be the same as the other prize that goes with the first and what we're trying to do is we're trying to get something along the lines of DraftKings tickets so whatever the good ticket is for first that goes with the annual that ticket value will still be for second third will get a one month roto grinders subscription to the same as what first gets just it's one month versus annual and then fourth and fifth, we'll get some Roto Grinder swag sent out. It's not quite as aggressive as, you know, uh, like the Roto, like the uh, DraftKings Tournament of Champions that everyone's playing for is like a one in 40 chance at a million dollars. We don't have those, uh, you know, ends. We don't have the, that way to be able to do for you guys. But what we are going to do is put it together this way. Instead of winner take all, we're still going to have some prizes in there. But it's a lot of fun, right? Just something to do a little bit extra. We appreciate everybody who joins the league, supports us, retweets it, puts it out there. And, and you know, it's just something we're going to continue to do. So, Looking forward to that this week, Kenny. I'll send out the details on Twitter when I've got more. Yeah, that um, that first prize, four hundred dollars uh, at Roto Grinders, 
our premium for one year is a $400 value. So it's not chump change. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not chump change, but yeah, uh, uh, we're doing our thing the best that we can. All right, so let's get to this week and the U.S. freaking Open. Let's start off with the course. 144 of the best golfers in the world head to New York for the 120th U.S. Open from Wingfoot Golf Club. This A.W. Tillingass design hosted, has hosted numerous U.S. Opens in the past and a PGA Championship. This course is extremely tough and brutal, as shown by the winning scores in major championships played here. In 2006, Jeff Ogilvy won at a five over par, and no one had a single round under par the whole week. In 1997, PGA Championship, DL3, Davis Love won at minus four, but he was the only person to shoot under par for the week. In 1984, Fuzzy Zeller, Greg Norman tied at minus four in extremely wet and soft conditions. Fuzzy went on to beat Greg uh, in an 80-hole playoff, which we all know since Greg's never won a USO, never won a major in the United States, even though he should have like five or six times. In the other three U.S. Opens here, the winners are plus seven, plus two, and plus six. So, you know, it's going to be a tough, tough track. With the lack of rain in New York and the fact that the course has a state-of-the-art sub-air system underneath the greens, so if it does rain, the greens can still be rock hard, this course is definitely going to be brutal once again. Uh, to make it worse for the players, Gil Hans redesigned the course in 2017, adding 250 yards of length. He also made the greens larger for more diabolical pin positions and added a bit of width to the fairways so the bunkers would be even more in play. The weather doesn't look too bad with a small chance of rain on Friday uh, and 10-mile-per-hour you know, winds for the week. Uh, this could change, so keep an eye on the forecast to see if there will be any wave advantages. Uh, now, one wrinkle for DFS purposes is that the cut is top 60 in ties, not top 65 in ties. There's definitely going to be carnage this week. All right, so Wingfoot is a 7,450-yard-plus par 70 with two par fives and four par threes. Three of the par threes are well over 200 yards and play very difficult. So difficult, in fact, that when Billy Casper won here in 1959, he laid up on the 213-yard par three every day because he thought that missing the green would be more penal than if he made, a, if, than if he made it a four-shot hole. The par fives are lengthy as well, as the ninth hole is 565 yards with a narrow fairway and a green that's shaped like an upside-down bowl. The par five 13th is a massive 635 yards, is a massive 635 yards with a right-to-left dog leg and a segmented green. Nine of the par fours will be between 450 and 505 yards in length, and there is also one possible drivable par four. Off the tee. Golfers will be faced with narrow fairways that tend to get more narrow the farther away from the tee box you get. There will also be fairway bunkers in key landing zones. If golfers miss the fairway, they'll have to deal with penal graduated rough. The first cut of rough stretch stretches a few feet and will be three and a half inches high. Golfers may still be able to reach the green if they hit it in this first cut, but they will have no control of the ball, and it'll be very difficult to hold these greens. The primary cut of rough is five to six inches tall and will be virtually impossible to hit out of unless unless the golfers get an extremely lucky break with the lie and with no spectators on the grounds to trample down the grass lucky lies will be far and few between there's also the possibility of losing balls in the rough 
There is no crowd, and the spotters can only do so much. I guarantee that a few golfers will not be able to find their balls in the rough in the three-minute allotted time. If you looked on Twitter today, um, Eric Patterson uh, actually showed a video of Dustin Johnson searching for his golf ball in the rough. He had no idea where it was. And I don't think he – I think he missed the rough by, like, three or four feet. Or he missed the fairway by, like uh, – he missed the first cut of rough by, like, three or four feet. So that, it's going to happen uh, this week. Now, if golfers hit it into the primary rough and are able to find it, they will most likely have to play a layup shot for their second. Because of this, I think proximity from 50 to 125 yards will be a somewhat important stat to look for. Uh, the fairways are so narrow that everyone is going to miss them at some point in time. I think in 2006, the, the, the driving accuracy percentage was like 51%, something like that. So, you know, they're going to have to get it up and down from this range to save par. Uh, this stat is even more important for golfers who are routinely inaccurate off the tee. If you thought off the tee was difficult, it really has nothing on these greens. On approach shots, golfers will see a wide array of green sizes that are mostly elevated with bunkers and tall roughs surrounding them. You know, it's, it's a U.S. Open, so we should expect these POA, POA greens to be very firm and fast with a stint meter rating of 13.5 or more. In an interview, Jeff Ogilvie called these greens beautiful and scary, and he's not lying. Many of the greens are segmented, so if golfers hit it in the wrong segment, they'll be left with crazy undulating speedy putts or really slow putts for this type of course if they're way under the hole in a bottom-type segment. I honestly haven't seen greens this undulating, sloping, and fast outside of Augusta and maybe Shinnecock Hills. Many of the greens have huge false fronts. We will definitely see some putts hit off the green when the pin position is in the front. Most greens slope heavily from back to front, so hitting it over the green will basically be an automatic bogey or worse when the pin location is in the back. Chipping and bunker play will be extremely difficult. Since so many greens will be missed because of the rough off the tee, I would avoid golfers who are weak with their short game. Ball striking, short game, and avoiding three putts will be the key to success this week. Tambo, strategy, things you're looking for. How are you going about this week, my friend? All right, this is the week I like, man. This is a U.S. Open's always one for me. The tee to green game is just so important. I think, you know, among other factors, but, uh, you know, that's one thing I really do factor in. Uh, you know me at majors. I'm always looking at even more long-term. What I've looked at for this week is I've set it up to sort of, you know, last 100 rounds, but also over the last 12 months. Like, so I want to sort of cross that so it's relevant in the time frame, sort of how their game's been, what they've been doing, and with what they're up against, it's all equal across the board. Not somebody's last 100 rounds over the last two years, while everybody else's 100 rounds is over the last 12 months. So, you know, I want it to be equal across there. And then as far as the strategy goes, I think just one key piece to remember, and I talk about it sometimes, but particularly at this major, and that's what, you know, I get excited for this one, is a lot of people just, you know, see all these shiny toys down below 7K, and there is so many of the names that we we'll want to talk about. You know, we'll bring up some of them for sure. Corn Ferry Tour guys, Euro guys, all these different, you know, up and comers. But it's really tough. And like you said, top 60 in ties. I really do, you know, I don't care what the chalk is or what everybody else is doing. I just know what the winning strategy has typically been. And that's been with the balanced lineups, right? Where you're at this tournament because it's really all about just being able to make the cut and then survive over the weekend. You know, talk about how hard this course is going to be. And you just mentioned a bunch of it and the reasons why I just saw a tweet from Benny Ann saying he played the back nine today and shot plus eight. So if that tells you anything, I mean, I'm not sure what you had as a winning score, but I remember Rom, it was like a week or two weeks ago, right before the tour championship, when he stopped by winged foot and said, I'll be very surprised if the winner breaks par. 
So, I mean, that just tells you everything you need to know. And plus four could be a, you know, a great score sitting in the top five, top 10 this week for all we know. What, what's your thoughts on the overall score that we're going to see? If anyone shoots under par, they're going to win by five or six strokes. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, I'm thinking four or five, six over uh, is what we're going to see uh, at this event. Uh, I mean, if you look at the scores, like I posted, like I said in, in, the, in the course preview, I mean, plus two, plus five, plus six, plus seven are, are the scores that have won here. Um, and I know it's different league of golfers now, uh, but there's more length. Uh, the rough is really up. You know, that one time it was minus four. It was really soft and rainy. We're not going to get that. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be well over par. Uh, we'll be winning this week, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I, I was with you. I just want to get your take on it. I think that's what, you know, everyone's saying, everyone's seeing. You know, it's been when Tiger and JT said it, you know, a couple weeks ago there, it was, you know, it was dead on and, and not everybody adapted or changed their lineups to have as such. But I, I think that's the case here as well. And again, back to the the balanced approach. I think it's going to be a lot tougher for a lot of these low, low price 6K guys to get there for a Stars and Scrubs to really work unless, and, and this is the only one caveat I'll give you, if you want to, you know, it's still so hard to build these, but you get like a DJ ROM or a ROM JT or something like that. I wouldn't say to build zero of those. I just, you know, know that you're putting it at heavy risk involved because it's very tough to finish those lineups out with guys that will make the cut and do well. I mean, really, if you just make the cut, that's all you need. A six to six here uh, should be huge, in my opinion. We'll just have to wait and see what happens, but that's just the way I see it as of right now. I think you can go mini stars and scrubs, like 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 two low price 10k guys. Like so, my cash game strategy. I've been thinking about this all, all day. Uh, how I was going to go about cash. I'm like, at one point in time, because it's so hard to get six to six through. You want that that winning upside in cash nowadays. That's sort of the, the change that has gone through, uh, either just because cash game players have gotten so much better or because it's been top 65 in ties instead of top 70. Um, and, and, I, and I think you could do like a mini – I almost went JT and Xander to start in cash. I almost went JT uh, – I almost went Xander and Morikawa in cash. And you can still make those type of lineups, even in GPPs, and still barely dip into the 6K range. It's definitely possible because there are good golfers in that 7K range. I will say that the pricing is a little bit tighter uh, than most majors that I have seen. Uh, you're not going to find those, those cheap gems. It's not going to be as easy. That's why I think it's going to be extremely difficult uh, to get 6-6 through this week because you don't see this type of course and this type of you know, gameplay uh, on a course like this where the winning score is going to be plus 5, plus 4. Uh, very often uh, you're going to see guys that you think would do well, just have one horrible round, maybe two horrible holes where they, they snowmen, which is going to happen. And they're basically out of it, you know? And so, so when I was thinking about cash, I went a little bit more balanced uh, just because I was, I was able to find a lineup that I liked, uh, you know, without digging too deep into the 6k range, but I still have, you know, a, a, a couple of guys up there pretty high, uh, in that higher price ranges and then dipping down to a lot in the 7k range so i think it just depends on how you want to go now yeah if you want to do ron dj that's that's going to be really hard to do uh but you could do like a a rom a rom web you know something like that or uh you know or a jt xander i, I think that's doable um in this type of field um uh, even with all the really 
you know, the scrubby scrubs uh, at the bottom uh, that you're going to find this week. What do you think? I mean, do you disagree? No, no, that's what I, no, that's what I was saying. That's like the, the only way is, like I said, if you see something like, uh, you know, where was it with uh, DJ and Brooks? Beth, was it at Beth Page when, when they would just tore it up? And that's what I'm saying. That's a time when, like, you just need those two and anybody that makes the cut. And then somebody will have that set up, you know, in their lineups. So, you know, then you're kind of dead to it. Or you can think back. This wouldn't, you know, apply to, you know, stars. But when Stenson and Mickelson just took off with it, totally different. I get it. But I'm just saying the idea of if two people take off, it's typically at much tougher courses. At these types of courses, big boy courses, tougher, longer thicker, rough, all that stuff, you could see like a DJ Rom be the only guys. Let's say they go under par for the week and then everybody else is plus four or worse. That's where I'm saying then you'd sort of run into it where you almost just need it and then hope you get the guys at the bottom right with the Reeves or, you know, Connor or different guys that have the upside to be able to make the cut and then just show up for the weekend and do whatever they can to hang on. All right, let's get into the tiers for this week. Let's start off in this 10K range. We've got Kawa. All the way up to DJ. How are you going about this this week? So my thoughts are this. This is, again, very early, first look in the week. I'm going to still have my Tuesday, Wednesday shows that I do. I'm on Featured Tuesday. I'm Roto-Grinders with Notorious and STL Cards. On Wednesday, I got my show, and I'll have a guest on there with me this week from Roto-Grinders. But I do think that this is how it's going to go early. So that's how I listed it out is, you know, everyone's on DJs, the best in the world right now. It's blah, 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 everything we talked about. But I'm guessing that's just for today only. Because what's going to happen, I'm sure, by the end of the week is all the talk about Olympia Fields and Mirfield and everything moves to ROM for 500 bucks less. So I, I was going to say at first play ROM over DJ, but I'm trying to get a little bit more contrarian and just see if I can go one step further. And, and again, who knows how it actually goes by the end of the week. We'll wait and see ownership. But I'm going to say JT over ROM over DJ. That's how I'm going to list out the top. Forget Roy X and Morikawa for a second. I'll go into them. But man... JT at the tour championship literally could not buy a putt. He was given every opportunity to take that thing down and he just could not make a putt. And is like, I would call it his B game. And DJ was pretty much still playing his a game. I'm not saying, you know, DJ's a bad play or anything like that. I just saying how I have to rank him out here is I like Rom more than DJ, but I think that's going to become prevalent by the end of the week to everybody. And so I'm going to start a lot of lineups with JT and hope he can put it all together here. The guy has still been on fire. He almost won the workday. He won the WGC. He just got second. I don't care if there was some luck involved along the way. He also hasn't really been playing his A++ game. If you go over the last 12 months, that I'm putting everybody on the same scale. He's first in tee to green. This is on 70 rounds, by the way. First in approach. First in DK. Eighth in bogey avoidance. Seventh in scrambling. And whatever. No need to list it out. It's JT. He's the guy. I'm just saying... You do have Ram and DJ there who are going to garner ownership. I'm going with JT, plant my flag, talk about him more later. Next thing, drop it down. I really never like Rory uh, in these events like this. I, I want Rory like 15 under type events, right? So I- I'm not going to go there. I know he's, you know, he's maybe got more parenting skills under his belt now, but I'm not just sure he's going to bring out all the tools that are going to be required here. It's Rory. He can go off at any time, pick and choose. Uh, X is going to be the chalk. I think he's a great play. But my, uh, my other guy here would be Colin Morikawa. I'm still going back to him. Uh, you know, for every reason that I just talked about with JT, it's basically all the same for Morikawa. The stats literally look identical. The long irons are incredible. It always comes back to can he make a putt? But, you know, using some of those same events and these same results, I think he can uh, show up just as much. And honestly, it's still 2020, Kenny. Uh, some crazier things have happened than, you know, me trying to imagine Morikawa going back-to-back in majors. 
So I'll take it. I don't really care. I can, I could see when we talked about, you know, mini stars and scrubs. What about a JT Morikawa, two of the best players in the world right now, iron game strong. We talk about them arguably back and forth every week about who's got the better iron game. And you get the two of those guys in a lineup together. And I think you'll be just fine and skip over some of the completely balanced builds. Even though I like balanced builds quite a bit, I'm just saying that's where I would go if I was going to go two guys up at the top. What about yourself? I, we're very much on the same page. Justin Thomas is my favorite play. I think I'm fading DJ and Rom. Um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and go plant my flag with JT. Uh, the thing is, he came in second in the Torch Championship, losing almost three strokes putting. Uh, he won the WGC, losing strokes putting. Poa is his best putting surface. Now, this is in West Coast Poa. This is East Coast Poa, a little bit different, not quite as bumpy um, as, as a West Coast type of Poa, but still, it's Poa. And uh, this is by far his best putting uh putting surface and, and he's that's the only thing he's been missing like you know the iron game is good he's been driving it really, really well uh you know this guy avoiding bogeys even his short game has been his short game is the best out of all these guys in the last 50 rounds and even if you look uh at the top in the last what a uh, hundred rounds it's even better he's by far the best uh, he's actually fourth in my model in strokes gained around the green in the last 100 rounds, going back to your longer form narrative. Um, so I'm definitely playing Justin Thomas. He's going to be my highest owned golfer uh, in the field. I, I don't mind him in cash. Um, I almost went JT Xander. I almost went JT Kawa uh, in, in this just to get that upside available. I don't hate that doing that this week. There are ways to do it uh, and still get by and have a decent-looking lineup. Uh, in cash. Now, my first cash game cornerstone is going to be Xander. Now, I know a lot of his things has, has had to do with the putting. Um, you know, his putting has been ex- exceptional. And that's really what's been what's been keeping him afloat. But if you look longer term, his iron game has been better than Rom uh, in the last 100 rounds. You know, he's been better tee to green, or, you know, uh, just as good tee to green than almost all these guys up here, still in the top 10 in this field in the last 100. Um, you know, he really crushes par fours. Uh, he's long enough. He hits enough fairways. Uh, and then bogey avoidance first in the last 100 rounds. So I like Xander. Another thing about that is I do agree that he's going to be the highest owned golfer probably in GPPs and probably in cash. And when you go about it in cash, you know, the thing is if he's like 55% owned and you have him and he misses the cut, you're not – going to be that it's not going to be too detrimental to you because 55 percent of the other lineups have him in in cash so that means you'd have to beat maybe 10 percent of the lineups that don't have him uh of the other what 45 percent you know you have to be 10 percent of those to actually when it go ahead i guess it would be like mathematically wise would be like 25 percent of those but still it's doable because there's going to be a lot of cards there's going to be a lot of missed cuts uh, and the thing is, if, you, if he wins and you don't have him, I mean, it's going to be very, very hard to catch up unless you go six or six. Uh, so that's why I'm going uh, Xander. And I love Morikawa. I, I, I had Morikawa and Xander both cash game cornerstones at one point in time, literally probably like 45 minutes before I record this pod. And then I sort of adjusted a little bit uh, and went just a slightly more balanced, but not too much. But the thing about Kawa is he hits so many damn fairways and he's so good uh, from, you know, with his longer irons, especially here recently. I mean, you know, if you go past, uh, past hundred rounds, uh, his uh, 200 plus ranking is 43rd in this field. You go in the last 50 rounds, 
it's second. So he's dramatically improved his longer irons in that time. And he hit so many fairways. And he's so- the rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families. But more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. So good with his irons that I think he makes a good play. I think all three of these guys, and even a tandem of two of three of these guys, would make for a good starting point in cash this week because they both have the winning upside. You want that upside because it's so hard to get six to six nowadays that if you do get four to six, you know, like last week, I went four or six because of Revy, uh, because how ham he went and he finished in third place. Uh, that, that's why I was able to cash easy uh, because, you know, I think 20% had five or six or better. So that's what probably what we're going to see this week, especially with it being top 60 and ties making the cut. So you want that upside. So those are my three favorite plays. I don't mind any of them in cash. And then when I, but the, the Xander, I'm going to stick with my first cash game cornerstone. We'll drop down. My second cash game cornerstone is going to be Webb Simpson at 9,700. Former U.S. Open winner, uh, approach game, magnificent, great putter, avoids three putts, uh, avoids bogeys, really good on long par fours, hits a ton of fairways, really good with his long irons. Everything adds up except maybe his distance. But I'm hoping he can make up for that with his long iron play, which is extremely solid. So Webb will be my second cash game cornerstone. Um, here. So I'm going, you know, 10-1 and 9-7. It's, you know, basically uh, two stars that you're starting with in my cash game cornerstones this week. Other guys I do like, I like Hideki uh, this week a little bit. Uh, you know, the thing, the thing about it is I know his putting is off, but he's really good around the greens. He's really good with his longer irons. Uh, if you look at the, uh, what, 50 to 125, which I think, you know, with when these golfers miss these fairways, uh, you know, that, that, that yardage is going to be important because they're going to have to lay up. He's top 15 on tour last season from 50 to 125. Uh, second in strokes gained tee to green in the last 50 rounds. So I do like Hideki, and I like Daniel Berger. Uh, he's just been playing so well and so consistent um, here since the restart. I don't see anything going away from that. Who do you like in a nine carriage? Yeah, you talked about some of it. I think, you know, for GPPs, especially large field, one at the top is Bryson, uh, only because, you know, his game is so far off and people are just, you know, have tossed him completely. I'm never the biggest Bryson fan, but I think, you know, if you look still, like I said, long-term and all the stuff that lines up for this course, besides the approach game, which we know has been off, it's a couple of things. 
Um, one thing I want to note quickly, Kenny, I'll go back to it because it was, it involves uh, more cow and JT and now ties into a guy like Bryson who actually hasn't been bad from this range, but you mentioned, I think it was on Twitter that even if these guys go in the rough, there's just going to be no way for them to get it all the way up there. So therefore you're going to have these 50 to hundred type shots, right? Where they're going to have to be coming in with their third shot from there and still have a chance at saving par. We know that Bryson's been better with the putter. If he is in that rough, because that's really one of his biggest downfalls right now is the approach and then the fact that he's not always in the fairway. But in these 50 to 100 yard range, he's actually still like 30th, which is not the greatest, but it's not the worst. You know, Morikawa is ninth, JT's fourth. If just using some stats for, for those same thing. But, you know, I think it still sets up well from there. If he keeps his putter on, he can save some of those powers, stick with it, make the cut. And then we know the upside he has over the weekend. Just look back to the PGA Championship where he sort of just showed his, you know, way to the top of the leaderboard by the end of the weekend, just out of nowhere. And so I'm not going to completely disappear from him, especially in large field with the amount of wins that he's got in the past and what he can do. I'm never the biggest fan, but at 9,900, I think now you can get into some of these JT Bryson type lineups or, or anything like that, that would be unique in large field. And he still has that upside. I'm with you on web, pretty obvious reasons. I'll give, you know, Cantley burger some shots just because whatever they've been playing great golf and they can have the upside. They've got the tee to green game, but I like the guys at the bottom. You know, I like Finau quite a bit. He's actually second in those, you know, in that same shorter range. So if he's not in the fairways, which has been his challenge as well. But the other thing too, is if you look back, we didn't even talk about some of this. I think, you know, some of the, the courses that would line up, if you're looking like something like Shinnecock would be one Beth page, you know, um, Olympia fields. These are places and Olympia fields and Shinnecock were places where Fino played really well. And we just talk about him all the time in the sense of having that upside in these majors, having that, you know, sort of go-to sense to be able just to grind it out, make the cut and then do some stuff over the weekend. Then if you look at his stats, you know, driving distance fifth over the last uh, year of playing with everybody on the same level ground. Second, like I talked about in those shorter ones, bogey avoidance, 20th. Uh, DK 14, not as important here, but Tita Green seventh, and that's a big deal to me. And then Hideki, uh, number two in strokes gained, Tita Green, number three in approach, uh, seventh in bogey avoidance, sixth, fourth, 15th, and 23rd in scrambling, and then all of the distances short and long as far as proximity goes. So those are the two guys I really like here at the bottom. And then at the top, like I said, I'll play a little Webb, a little Bryson just to mix it up. Yeah, Finau almost made my cash lineup. I was thinking about it, but he just he misses too many fairways for me to put him in cash. But I don't mind him in GPPs because you're right; he's pretty good from those short uh, from the with his short irons. So, I mean, so he's he, yeah, he's second in that range, and that's what I said like his only challenge really for me is the fairways, and then obviously the putter. But if he's gonna be even if he's not gonna be in the fairway, you know he can chop it up close enough to then have that shot in there. It'd be I don't know, I just can't see him completely disappearing on day one or anything that's going to take him out of this thing might have to grind a little bit on day two but then you know if he makes the weekend he's going to creep it up to the top range there top 10 top 20 and I know he's 9100 but I I think he's still a fine player there for that reason yeah from 50 to 125 I think he's just behind Poulter uh, in this field last year so I I definitely thought about that but I, I went a little bit safer uh with Webb I think in my opinion and I think the win equity with Webb is higher uh so that's why I went Webb in cash uh, but yeah, I think I, I'm with you because I'm only playing JT up top uh, and, and Xander, I'm going to be light on GPPs because uh, he's going to be in my cash lineup. It's only JT and Kawa that I'm playing. So I can play a good amount of these 9K guys and Webb, of course, is going to be cash game cornerstone. So he's going to be lighter for GPPs for me. So Berger, Finau, Hideki, uh, I do like that. All right, let's move to this 8K range. Why don't you go ahead, Tambo? Yeah, first up, right off the top, Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, you know, just talked about some of the stuff around, you know, statistics and whatnot. And he's not really lining up, to be honest, as far as that is concerned. But if I go back to 
Um, Shinnecock, he was second. I just used that as sort of a comp course and one thing there. And then I don't know if you were following, but, you know, a lot going on. There was the Safeway. There was NFL Week 1. But there's also a Euro event going, Euro event going on overseas, the, the Portugal it's the Masters. Portugal Masters. Portugal yeah, Masters. And he, that's right. Had and he got T T3 there uh, and looked really good. on Sunday. He had a hell really of a good Sunday. On Sunday. Get, yep. Yep. And you know, I love a strong Sunday, whether it's yep. here, there, anywhere, if they're coming out of a, a strong round on Sunday, you know, a lot of that momentum can carry over that feel good. There's nothing like it. Uh, we talked about even with JT going into the tour championship where he chipped in on the last hole of the BMW and then goes on to T2 and really just not make a putt the whole way or could have won the tour championship. So it's, you know, another caliber player and a guy like Tommy Fleetwood, he's not a JT, but certainly got the upside. And at 8,900, we've been waiting for him to pop just like a guy like Finau. So I like him going back to the well on Adam Scott. I think, you know, it's a guy that people may or may not, you know, want to go to, but at 8,700, I think it's a fair price. Everyone has an opinion, right? Where I'm saying they'll either be, you know, all over him or completely off him. I just will take it. It's kind of like a Louis O. There's some people that are Louis O truthers, which we'll get to. And then there's like myself and and then there's other people that just will never play him and say it's never hurt them in the past. Well, at 8,700, I think you're getting a really good price on Scott. It'll probably pick up some ownership as the week goes on, but solid tee to green, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Just what I'm looking for at a course like this. And then my probably favorite play in this range is Patrick Reed. Uh, You know, just played incredible at the tour championship. Talk about him at some of these other majors showing up. Uh, you know, there's talks of people around the course today saying he looked really good, even hold out at one point. It's, you know, that's luck. That's one thing. It doesn't matter about that. I'm talking long-term here still. But when you look at the stats, they're all good across the board, especially uh, bogey avoidance, scrambling we know, tee to green game, top 20 over the last year of all the golfers in the field. And then the other thing that I love talking about momentum and last time out, uh, he was uh, two of the five bogey-free rounds for the week, including his last round on Sunday at the tour championship again, tough course. So uh, I'm definitely thinking he's heating up at the right time. And it's an extremely fair price at 8,500. And then to round it out at the bottom, this is where it's going to get a little bit, you know, you know, people like Hovland, people like Casey. I'll talk about why I like Hovland later even more, but you know, Casey Hovland, they make sense here. I'll say that I would take, you know, a pivot there would be Hatton uh, 25th, 16th and seventh in his last three events, rounding into form, getting better each time. Uh, Even at the PGA, that he just couldn't find his putter, and which is unlike him, but his tee to green and his approach were still solid. We know he's solid as far as the, the stats go. Uh, long irons, the 175 to 200 range over the last year, he's actually first, 11th on approach, 21st tee to green, 28th in bogey avoidance, uh, and then good DK scoring. Again, that still factors in finishing points and whatnot. So if you've got a guy like him uh, who's just making his way up the board and can shoot plus five, plus eight for the week, it could still be, like we said, top 10, there at 8,100, and I'll take a guy like him. Uh, and then maybe, you know, going down, just one right below him is is Fitzpatrick, another guy that may be sneaky that nobody wants to go back to, but, uh, you know, Memorial played well, another tough track, hits fairways, avoids bogeys. I don't mind him as well right there at the bottom. What about you? We're, we're very similar. We're on the same pay. We don't talk about our picks before we do the pod. Uh, so we are very, very similar this week, which I like because, you know, Tambo's just better than me. So that makes me feel good. Uh, so I'm going to go a Hatton with my third cash game cornerstone this week. Iron plays has been exceptional. Really good on longer par fours. Um, you know, he's really good with his longer irons. I, I like the way he's played. His form has been good. He's been playing good golf all the way back since he got back from the wrist injury. Uh, I like that price. I think it's a little cheap for as well as he has been playing. I think you can make the case where Rose, Tiger, um, Adam Scott, Jason Day could all be below him in price. 
uh, and he's there. So I think he, he, one of the few value plays, in my opinion, in this field. So I love Haddon. He's going to be my third cash game cornerstone. I do like Reed a lot this week. Uh, I think at the Tour Championship, he had two bogey-free rounds, and, and, and that's probably not going to happen uh, this week. But he's really good at avoiding three putts. Bogey avoidance, top six uh, in this field. Three-putt avoidance, top seven uh, in this field in the last 50 rounds. Excellent short game. So even when – and you know, the one thing about him is it, it is off the tee play. Can he hit it enough fairways to do it? Well, the thing about it is on this course, I think seven of the holes have a right-to-left dog leg, and that fits his shot really, really well. Um, and, you know, I think that could help him maybe hit a few more fairways than he normally would because it's going to fit his eye. And that's important, especially on a tough test like this where golfers are on the tee box for the shot that they hit to fit their eye. And it will on at least seven uh, of these uh, of these, you know, non-par threes. So half uh, the holes where there's going to be a dog leg from right to left, and that's his shot shape. So I really like Reed, um, and I like Fleetwood. Like you said, came back strong Sunday um, last week, showed a glimpse uh, of his old self, uh, long enough, hits enough fairways, good on longer, uh, good on par fours, good on longer par fours. I think maybe this could be the week where we see him bounce back just a little bit. Now, you know, let's talk about Hovland. Are, are you going to play him? I think I'm not going to play him just because he's so poor around the greens. Now, that, that's my one worry I have with him. Now, it's funny because I like Paul Casey too, and he's probably worse than Hovland, but he hits more fairways. And he's actually longer than Victor. Uh, so that's sort of why I like Casey, where hopefully he doesn't have to um, – and honestly, he's been a better approach player for if you go back in the long term, even 50 rounds, uh, he's been a better approach player than Hovland. So uh, what are you going to do with Victor? Are you going to play him or no? Oh, yeah. I'm going to take in, like I said, I'm taking more longer term into consideration. Actually, you know, I got the same thing up here, but I like I went a longer approach. They're both ninth in strokes gained approach. They're both 33rd in fairways gained. Uh, you know, Hatton's got him in the long irons at, you know, at 175 to 200. He's got him in the tee to green game. You know, you think back to, I know it's a much easier course, Pebble Beach, but he was right there in the mix on his first time out at a U.S. Open. I don't think he's going to crack under pressure. It sucks that Scheffler, you know, by the way, if anybody doesn't know this already, you know, and you haven't been paying attention, Scheffler's out with COVID-19 testing positive. Uh, Sam Horsfield, who we'll get to later, you know, some of the value plays, he's out with the same thing. So other guys are going to be coming in. I think it's, uh, it might be Red, Redmond and Sabatini. I can't remember the exact two, but I know Sabatini's, Sabatini's in. Sabatini's in. I don't think Red, Redmond's first alternate, I think. I think he's next up. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. so um, that's just one thing to bring up. But anyway, back to Hovland. Uh, you know, the other thing about him is he's been up and down since the restart, but he's still making cuts. Right. So, you know, here a made cut is just as valuable as anything else. We've seen, you know, what Casey Chalk has done to us in the past. I got another play there, though, and I'll take us into the 7K range. Uh, I'm on Hovland. I'll talk about it later more. I, or I'll talk about it now. Everybody in the world, I think, uh, at least in the Twitter world, has this bet from many, many months ago. I've got Hovland 151 with a top five each way. A lot of people have this bet. I mean, we're all cheering for the same thing, especially after the Tom Kim fiasco last week, where it looked like he was going to do some shit and then it didn't quite pan out for him by any means but yeah when he started off strong i was sort of worried because they canceled all of our bets the 2001 bets that we had on uh on su young kim with uh tom kim name going for 2001 but hovland 150 to 1 will hold 
So I'll be cheering for that, but I'm not going to not play him just because of that bet. I'm going to still play him here. I think he can get the job done. I kind of like Harris English though, right? And I said, maybe he's the pivot for lower ownership than Casey and Hovland. Uh, he's actually got a lot of similar stats. When you look at the long-term, he's you know much better than those guys in bogey avoidance. He's number one in scrambling over the last year, which for him is 74 rounds. Uh, we've seen him put his game together and, and come on with it. I think he's another guy, again, it's top 60 in ties, but he can make the cut for us. That's what we need. Uh, longer term stats are actually better than Casey and most of the field in bogey avoidance and scrambling. So I do like him at 7,900. I know answer quote unquote burned people at the PGA. He was actually 7.7 there. He's 7.8 here. But the reason we played him is because he makes cuts, right? That's what we're looking for here. Uh, And last tournament was definitely easier than what we're going to see here, in my opinion. So uh, I'm still going to lay, you know, play some of him. He's really strong as far as hitting fairways and avoiding bogeys. Two of the most important things that go here. So I do like that. Gary, you're always going to play him a little bit for me just because of the, you know, ups and downs lately but he can control it off the tee some if he wants, right? really depends on what driver for me that he brings out. Not if I'm going to play him, and I'm not talking about when you see him with the Wilson driver or not on the pictures that we were posting on Twitter. I'm talking about more of, you know, it's, if he's bringing it or not, it's all going to be a risk first reward here. I'm still going to take some risk with him and hope that the right one shows up because when he's on his game, it's tough to beat that guy. Now, again, tougher course, but like I said, it's a guy that can, you know, avoid bogeys, uh, you know, can make – you know, if you look actually at his long term here, seventh on approach, 19th with the driving distance, uh, 14th bogey avoidance, all these stats that are lining up, I still like him. And maybe it's a little bit of the good mojo in the air, right? It's a U.S. Open. He's the champ. Uh, I'll go back to him here at, at this price. So I like those guys there. Other than that, it gets a little bit slim pickings for me after that. The only other two that I'm really, you know, super interested in would be uh, Matthew Wolf, BMW, PGA, and Memorial. He did well at all tougher fields and or tougher courses. So uh, I'll go back to him at 7,700. He's got the distance. We know that when he gets his wedge game on, I think it's a play that not as many people will be on, but we like him at 7,700, right? That's where I want to play him at and hope to get that upside out of him. And then, I, like I said, I'm a Louis O. Truther, always Louis in these types of events, live and die by it, but not at like Hideki is in how good he is, right? I don't think he's Hideki's level as play, but in the sense that, you know, if Louis plus eight, plus 10, and made it through, and he makes the cut, gets through, and finishes plus eight, plus 10. We don't really know where that's going to land, but it could be a top 10 in a tournament like this, and that's awesome at 7,600. Yeah, once again, we're very similar uh, in this top range. I like Harris English a lot. I think his short game and his bogey avoidance and his three-putt avoidance, that all could be extremely valuable in this type of event, really good with his longer irons. So I do like Harris English. I like Paul Casey. Uh, you know, he's got the, the he's really top 25 in both fairways gained and driving distance uh, in the last 50 rounds. Like if you look at this field, there's only a handful of guys that are in the top 25. Actually, it might only be him um, in this field that are top 25 in both driving distance and fairways gained. Uh, now he's burned us before in situations like this, uh, but I, I do like that combo this week. Plus, he's eighth in bogey avoidance in the last 15 rounds. Really good on par fours. So I like Casey. I like uh, – uh, uh, I'm talking about Casey there, and I do like English again, like I said earlier, uh, the short game, the bogey avoidance, all that. And I'm a big fan of Wolf. Uh, you sort of took the words out of my mouth. The three hard courses he's played recently, um, he's played very well. His short game is sort of troublesome, but recently it has gotten a lot better. It has improved. So I'm hoping that that continues. And I like Louis Oost. Louis Oost, he's out. Oost, 
Usti. Let's just call him Usti. I can't talk today. Uh, and the thing about the reason why is if you look at his U.S. Open track record, the difficult courses are the ones that he's made the cut and played well on. The easier yeah. ones are the ones that he's sort of fallen apart and missed the cut. And this is going to be a difficult test. He is the um, runner-up Grand Slam champion. Uh, so, so yeah, I like Usti in this range. Now, going a, a little bit down below, I think I have to play a little Brendan Todd uh, just because I know he's not that long, but he had so many um, fairways. And, and, and it's like fairways, long irons, like that's his thing. I don't expect him to be in contention, but I think he can make the cut. Uh, in this, and that's sort of what you're looking for in this lower 7K range. I sort of like Matt Kuchar um, a little bit. He hasn't been playing that great, but, you know, he, he again, bogey avoidance, three-putt avoidance, he's top-notch there. Hits a ton of fairways, really good on par fours. Uh, so I, I play a little bit of Kuchar. Keimer, Martin Keimer, I'll play at 7,100. He's been close here recently. Uh, you know, in the Euro events, uh, I think at the PGA, I think he was in the lead after the first day or close to it before he pulled a, pulled a full Keegan Bradley uh, in the second round, if I'm not mistaken. So I like Keimer uh, also in this range. Who do you like in the lower range? I got to find out who Matt Kuchar's caddy is going to be. We know uh, his longtime caddy, they split. He said he was going to go back into broadcasting and whatnot. And now Cam Champ picked him up. So, uh, you know, Cam Champ is a guy I like in this range because he's got Kuchar's caddy. He's got the recent form. He's got the driving distance that we crave. We want all this in our lineups at 7,300. I like him. Uh, I'm worried a little bit about Kuchar. He had his wife on the bag for the last event. Didn't do too well at all. I know it's only one event, but I mean, it's not like Kuchar has been doing much this last little while, right? Or, or especially since the restart. So not as high on him as you. I'd probably even play Mickelson over him. I think I saw oh, a stat no last week. There's no way I'm playing Phil. There's no I way know. I'm playing Phil. I, I'm no just way. saying if I was playing one or the other, I think Kuchar would be the popular guy that everyone just thinks is going to make the cut and get him that backdoor top 20. He just hasn't been that guy is what I'm saying. Versus, you know, a guy like Phil is not going to be lights out either. I'm on a, a guy like Champ. Like you said, looking for that upside, looking for what he did at the PGA. Again, much tougher course, but the ability is still there. It's not like Cam Champ is some slouch, right? So uh, I believe it was back at Shinnecock when he was an amateur in the U.S. Open, and he had a pretty good run there as well. And we're about to get into this range, so I'm going to go through two more plays, and then I'll, I'll talk about uh, more of the plays down below. But what I was going to say is down below here, if you remember back, I think it was Aaron Hills, much easier course again, but, you know, versus what we're looking at this week. But the U.S. Open is, like I said, a spot where I'm not going to go too heavy on these guys, but there's always one or two that can come through. And I think that year the Millie Maker winner had Trey Mullinax and Xander Schauffele before Xander was anything. They were like 64 and 6,500 or something back then. That's sort of the only time you'll see that come through. I haven't seen it many other U.S. Opens, but I think there is, you know, a reason that you could play one or two of them down here. So we'll get to those. The last two in this range. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I did forget one guy. I do like Ian Poulter. At 7,300. He's actually the best from 50 to 125. So he'll be able, I think he should be able, when he misses the fairways, he should be able to get it up and down uh, from a higher clip after he lays up. Um, And and he has done well at difficult uh, U.S. Opens in the past. I think he was top 30 here last time it was at Wingfoot, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong about that. Really good short game. Uh, So I like Ian Poulter. Uh, I like him in cash too uh, this week. Uh, at 7,300. Go ahead. I, I liked your, uh, your Todd call better just because people just still never want to play Todd. And if you go back to like, what, like I said, when I was looking at longer term, and I, I do look a lot more at stats for an event like this, because I just think it's so powerful. It's not that I don't use them every other event. I just think at this event, it just comes down to that. And, and really, like I said, I like bringing in the longer term and Todd is one out of everybody over 84 rounds. He's got some of the most rounds of anybody in this tournament. I'll talk about the guy that has more in a second. 
But Todd, with first in, in fairways, 15th in bogey avoidance, fifth in scrambling, and 25th in that 100-yard range. So even if he somehow does miss a fairway finally, because he's not going to hit every single one, even though he's number one in the field, he, he then has a chance to get it up there anyway and save par. So uh, I like your Todd call there. The guy I was going to talk about who plays a lot of rounds and looked like he found a little something, Kenny. Uh, it's our boy Sung J.M., right? We were talking about him. He was, had a great start at the tour championship finished okay but it looked like he found something with tita green approach we've been missing that at 7500 i think the upside is too much you know just to avoid and so i like that and then even like neiman i could play a little bit of at 7400 other than that that pretty much rounds out the 7k range for myself yeah no neiman for me again it's that ball fight issue onto these hard greens he has such a low ball fight that I don't think it, it correlates to this type of course. So no Neiman for me. But let's go into the 6K range. I'll go ahead and start because my last cash game cornerstone is in this range. I'm going to go Ches Revi. Uh, the thing is, if you're going to go with the shorter guy, they got to be good from 200 plus. And he's exceptionally good from that range. He's also a really good short game. Three-putt avoidance, top five in this field in the last 50 rounds. Really good on longer par fours. Iron play, always a strength for Ches Revy, and he had that nice, what, what did he shoot, seven, eight under uh, on Sunday uh, at the Safeway Open. So Ches is going to be my final cash game cornerstone. So my cash game cornerstones for this week are going to be Xander Shoffley at eighty uh, 10,100. Then we got Webb Simpson at 9,700. Then we got Terrell Hatton at 8,100. And then we have Ches Revy at 6,900. This still leaves you like 15-4 uh, left under the cap. So plenty, uh, not in the 15-4, I'm sorry, 15-2 under the cap. So plenty of money to, to make your other picks with still two guys, 9,700 and above. Like I said, it's doable. You can do it this way, this week. Uh, so those are going to be my four cash game cornerstones. Other guys that I do like in this range, I mean, uh, Matt Hughes, another tough course type of guy your Canadian brethren I'm going to play a little bit of Mackenzie Hughes um I like um Tyler Duncan a little bit down below if you go down I think he's like 60 6500 lots of fairways really good from 200 plus I just want him to make the cut at that price Brian Harmon uh, I think he's 6400 uh, again his game seems like it would fit one of the best around the green one of the best at three putt avoidance in this field um, those are the ones I like so far. Who do you like in this range? A different Canadian brethren. It's extremely risky because of the same thing you talked about with Corey. Hobbs, right? I was thinking about Corey too. Is yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if, if Mackenzie's going to keep dropping 30-foot bombs all day, then by all means, that's what he seems to do. Him and DJ have something like the most over the last, uh, you know, while anyway. They've got plenty of them. We saw one at live at, at the Honda Open when we saw Mackenzie drop that bomb on, uh, what was it, 17, 17 or 16? or 16, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, bar three, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's all he does. He drops bombs. People talk about it on Twitter all the time. It's the truth. He does do it. But I, I really like your chess call. I just think he's going to be the more popular play in this range. And so I get it. And it makes perfect sense for cash. He had a good week last week. He, you know, he's into form. I'm going to play some chess. But I do like Connors. And here's the thing. I understand that if he's missing greens, we got a problem on our hands. That's, you know, part of big, it for big, sure. Big he's big literally, yes. yeah, he's terrible at scrambling. <laughs> but also, you have to remember this. Oh, oh, in the long term, 10th in this field, Tita Green, 7th on approach, 5th in fairways gained, 12th in 75 to 100, and 1st and in 100 to 125. And he is a little bit 
shorter. He's not the longest off the tee. So when you talk about guys coming out of that rough and being 50 to 100, he's more likely to be 75 to 125. And that's where he's 12th and first in the field. So if he can still hit those greens, I don't mind him. And then, yes, you know, he's not the best putter in the world, but this is the risk you're taking with a guy like him. Uh, Jason Kokrak would be another guy I'll take some chances on. And if you notice, some of the guys I'm taking chances on are more at this 67, 6,800 and up. I'll get to one in a second. You may, you know, bat your eyes out a little, but uh, Thomas Peters, I'll go to him. I like him in strong field events. Uh, you know, I'll take him. Uh, got a hold of some stats from the Euro restart, and he has looked pretty good. So I like I like him. And then the other guy I got a hold of some stats on for, since the Corn Ferry Tour restart. And I know you know you don't think he'll get too popular, but people are talking about him already a little bit. Uh, Will Zalatoris. This guy's just been lighting it up. He's got the distance, great with the putter around the greens, everything that we've seen lately out of him. Just played great at the most recent Corn Ferry Tour event. Has been one of the best, if not the best since the Corn Ferry Tour restart at 6,700. And most people won't go there. And he's sort of the one-off, and I got one more later, for me, that I would say would be that the outlier that could get there. I'm not saying jam him plus the other two or three that I mentioned down here, but I am going to use him in some lineups for sure. Uh, Lucas Glover still looked okay, bounced back. Again, got upside, 6,600. I don't mind him. Tough events, U.S. Open. Uh, you know, that's the Lucas Glover way if he gets on again. And he looked okay. Last week, so at 6,600, I'll play some of him. And then this thing about Lanto Griffin, uh, good scrambler, doesn't hit a lot of fairways, but he's pretty good again in that hundred range uh, proximity. Twenty second, you know, as far as driving distance goes in my long term. And, and the thing about him is, I forget who posts the stat, but there's something about Lanto under seven k, and he just that's hasn't Drake messed Rundgren. it up yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, he it, always that's what it is. he always did like ten times value whenever he's under 7K, and it happens all the time. I don't know if it's going to work for U.S. Open, uh, but yes, that, that would be Rick Gaiman's stat. And it, every seems, time, it seems like it works yeah, everywhere. It, 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 doesn't has, it, end. it has been. It has been working. There's no doubt about and, and that. And even last week, I mean, the Tour Championship, it wasn't great, but he was also like 5,600 there or something, and he gets like an 18th. He still put up points, right? Yeah. He still does it. And, and again, if you look at him long-term, and this is 90 rounds he's got. These are quite a few uh, rounds to go off of. 22nd driving distance. 39th bogey avoidance, 14th scrambling, 25th, 26th in uh, 100 to 125. And then also in the 175 to 200, he's 26th. So, I mean, this guy's got all the stats that you're looking for coming into an event like this. And he's got the moxie. I'm not saying he's the next Xander Shoffley. I'm not saying that. But my point is more of it's a name that we've been following and have seen do extremely well in all different types of events that now you can get behind at a major, and again, you're taking risk, but you're taking a risk with a guy that hasn't let us down yet in that sense. So I'm going to go there, give it a try. You mentioned some of the other names. There's the Joel Damons, the Brian Harmons. Uh, one more bullet from down here. This is, you know, probably don't do this. You know, I know Ben Raza posts this every week. I love it. He posts, you know, guys that I think are going to win, guys that I'm on, and guys that I'm playing that you shouldn't. This would be my guy that I'm playing that you shouldn't. And it's another guy I've been betting on relentlessly on the Corn Ferry Tour is Taylor Pendrith. Another guy popping in those stats when it comes to greens and regulation. Uh, driving distance, got the longest of all the guys on the Corn Ferry Tour that are in this event, and the most accurate and the best scrambler when it comes to all those things. So at 6,100, I'll take some Taylor Pendrith shares as well. He's been popping in all the Corn Ferry Tour events. I've bet on him plenty of times. Got an each way out of him here and there, but not much, uh, no, not, nothing special yet. This could be the event. Yeah, just a couple other guys I might think of. Michael Thompson, after his win uh, like a month ago, he didn't say Wingfoot is his favorite course in the world. So if you want to play that narrative, uh, I don't mind him. I mean, we're, we're getting down to the scrubby scrubs down there. But I can get behind your Glover call. I can get behind your Peters call. 
Uh, I, I like those guys. I'll be playing them uh, as well. All right, so uh, let's move on to the bets. Who you got this week, Tambo? I got quite a bit of old and then one new. So uh, for old, it's going to be, you know, this is a stupid bet, but I just have it. It's Fowler 60 to one T5 with each way. Uh, Hopefully he gets motivated for a major, but I'm not really feeling him in any way, shape or form. So we'll see what happens with him, but uh, maybe being out of the playoffs and whatnot made him think about things a little bit harder, practice a little bit more, but Hatton 80 to one T5 each way. That's long gone. Hovland, the 151 T5 each way. That's long gone. I think for this season, we'll start to announce them. And again, I'm not here victory lapping these. When we win, we're talking about our wins, but we're also not keeping track of units, anything. I know that. So it's not a big deal to me. I'm just saying what I actually have, and I'm excited to have these tickets. So, uh, you know, maybe for this season, when we start going through and placing these futures bets, I'll post them out on Twitter or I'll talk about them on the pod so more people can get after them quicker. But if you're following most of the same people that I am, you're seeing people post about them. And that's why, like I said, a lot of the quote unquote community has these already. The ones that I've added, man, there's just two. It's uh, Peters, 175 to one. This right today, you get a T8 with the each way now. So I added that and then no each way, but I'm just taking a stand, put my money where my mouth is with Justin Thomas, 14 to one. Let's do it. Let's win. I, I bet it's my biggest bet. So we'll see what happens with JT at 14 to one, but I'm rolling with him for the W this week. All right. That sounds good. My bets this week, they're all new. I didn't really place many future bets. Uh, I got Justin Thomas, 12 to one. Xander at 16 to one. Webb at 25 to one, Hatton at 40 to one, and then Keimer at 125 to one. So I got five. I'll probably play uh, something in, um, you know, uh, live at some point in time. I'll probably do that as well. All right. So let's do uh, one and done. Who you got? Yeah, I got, I don't, I got to look at what I've got, what I wrote down and sort of wanted to talk about quick was this is not an event to mess around at or get cute. I'm not looking for the skin or trying to get someone crazy off the board. I'm literally using the biggest name I have left of DJ Rom, JT Rory X, Bryson, Kawa. I know I'm naming everybody, but I'm just saying, I, I don't have any of those left. So whoever I got, Webb, Cantlay would maybe be the sneakier ones. Adam Scott, Patrick Reed down the next tier. But I don't know who I have, but whoever I do have of that is who I'm using. And I'm not worrying about finding the sneaky dude to take this thing down. It's going to be a big name that wins this thing. So I'm trying to get the best one I can. I think I'm going Patrick Reed. Uh, all my big names are gone. So yeah. so he's he's probably the biggest name I have left. So I am going Patrick Reed this well, week. I might go Fleetwood, to be honest. I, I, I thought I about might... Fleetwood, too. I, yeah, thought I, might, Fleetwood I don't think I have Fien- Reed, so Fleetwood, Fleetwood Fien- Fienau, and Reed. Those are the like three that. that I'm going to choose right now. I'm leaning Reed. Uh, for the, yeah. because those are the three of the bigger guys that I got left uh, and that I want to use this week. All right, so you can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. You can find my article uh, every week, course preview stats to look for, uh, cash plays other than my favorite, other than my cash game cornerstones, my favorite bets. Uh, They got all that cool stuff. Football starting for them, too. Had some big winners last week. Go to GupsCorner.com. Get yourself a membership there. Tambo. Yeah, rotogrinders.com. We talked about at the top of the show, guys. Everything here is presented, sponsored by Rotogrinders. Head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DJ and get yourself five bucks off the first month. Check it all out. I got a lot going on. I talked about it last podcast. Just extremely busy day after day going in to do NFL content, PGA content, mixing it up with a lot of those same shows, how to use Lineup HQ, the tools that we offer over there, everything that you can use when you jump on board. Other than that, follow me on Twitter at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there if you have any questions, anything you need, and I'll be there for you. All right, so it's a major week. The TV coverage is going to be lit. There's going to be a lot of TV coverage. It's going to be fun. Let's enjoy it. Let's win some motherfucking money. DGen Nation.
The rich and powerful want us to think the economy is a line on a stock market ticker. That's wrong. The economy is powered by us. It's what we create, what we buy, what we need. President Biden has proposed bold public investments in jobs and families, but more is needed. We need housing, health care, caregiving, action on the climate crisis, and millions of good-paying jobs. This is our moment to finally unlock prosperity for all of us. For more information, go to prosperus.org. That's prosperus.org. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. As a veteran, I live with health impacts from my service. VA healthcare means you're in 100% control of your own medical care, your own benefits, and it only takes minutes to set up. A veteran should enroll in VA healthcare because it ensures that they get quality, high-level care for the rest of their lives. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here.